I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's taken more than 200 attempts since the 1900s for Congress to make lynching a federal hate crime. But on Monday, that changed. Our colleagues in the United States Senate, I am proud to say, voted unanimously in a bipartisan way to pass the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act. The bill is now headed to President Biden's desk, where it's expected to be signed. It's named after Emmett Till, a black teen from Chicago who was murdered in 1959 while visiting family in Mississippi. Joining us now is Emmett Till's cousin, Reverend Wheeler Parker. Reverend Parker, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Professor Alvin Tillery, director of the Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy at Northwestern University and associate professor of political science and African-American studies. Professor Tillery, welcome back to the show. Thank you. First, Reverend Parker, you're actually the last living witness to your cousin's abduction. So we especially want to know what you thought when you heard this news. I have mixed emotions. Of course, I'm glad it's done. Kind of embarrassed and feel like crying or feel like being angry that it took so long. But I think what this, what it does it shows us the patience we need to get things done in America. The wheels of justice grind, but they grind so slow, so slow. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm happy that it, that it got done, and, and I just appreciate those people. I think it's 200 times it failed, and they go to show you, you just can't quit. You can't get frustrated and quit. And I'm really, like I said, I have mixed emotions about it. Yeah. But I applaud, I applaud those people who, I finally went back and introduced it again. Although it had failed, what, 200 times? I believe I'm right. Yeah, nearly 200 times. You mentioned, Reverend, that you, you felt embarrassment. Why? Because it's, what is the saying about a nation's greatest eyes and you can't pass an anti-lynching? That should have been a given without even any thought, you know? We're the leaders of the world, and it's just, to me, it's kind of embarrassing that we just get into it, but... I'm okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Professor, I want to bring you into the conversation. What are your thoughts uh, on the passage of this bill and why it took so long? I agree with the uh, sentiments of Reverend Wheeler. I mean, I, I, th- I think you know uh, it, it is a stain on the nation, as Senator Durbin said earlier, uh, in recognition of the passage of the bill. That you know this type of action has been introduced since 1900. Right, and there were many times when we got close to passing uh, an anti-lynching measure, and it didn't happen because there is an active politics that nurtures white supremacy in uh, the American Party system. And finally, that was uh, you know set aside, and the Senate passed the measure by unanimous consent. Uh, and so, the reason it's taken a long time is because there are still people that that nurture the kinds of ideals that lead to lynching. And they're worried that going on the record or supporting these measures will make it hard for them with their constituents. We even saw three members of the House vote against the bill. Mm-hmm. So. And for the person listening, Professor, who's still unsure, talk about why exactly this bill is so important. It's important because lynching has been a ubiquitous feature of American life uh, for people of color. 
uh, African Americans, Mexican Americans, uh, Asian Americans uh, have all experienced coordinated mass hate crimes, and uh, the the fact that in many local environments these crimes went unpunished. I mean, think about you know what happened in the first trial of the of the of the men who killed Emmett Till, mm-hmm. right? And so, so having the ability for federal authorities to really prosecute these laws, um, prosecute these crimes using the, the full weight of federal law, uh, is an important tool. It's a very important tool. Lynchings still happen in our society. There were lynchings in the 1990s. Yousef Hawkins uh, in New York, Reginald Byrd in Texas. I myself am a lynching survivor from when I integrated my neighborhood in New Jersey in the 1970s. And so uh, these things are still happening. (laughs) And so we need to have the ability for federal government to prosecute them. And uh, Senate sponsor Cory Booker said, quote, the time is past due to reckon with this dark chapter in our history. Is that what this bill is really about, Professor, just facing this country's history? I think that's partly what it's about. Uh, I, I do, you know, and I think that that's you know part of the, the mixed emotions that Reverend Wheeler and I have uh, uh, right now. It, it shouldn't have taken this long. We, we should have always been squarely facing this history. It's the only way that we'll hold together as a multiracial democracy. You know, when you don't learn from history, you're you're, you're bound to repeat those mistakes. Uh, look what's happening uh, with Russia and Ukraine, right, and the kinds of narratives that are meant to put in place a new authoritarian colonialism, right? We see those same narratives happening in the United States around January 6th, around voting rights. Lynching is a common thread to all of these narratives of racial authoritarianism. And if we don't face the history, we're, we're in deep danger of repeating it. So, yes, I do think. Senator Booker's right. Reverend, I can hear your deep sighs as the professor's speaking. Anything to add there? Well, what it does, it'll make some people behave better. It doesn't legislate the heart. That spirit is still there, but I drive on the highway at speed limit because I know what's the consequences. When you know that the possible consequence, you behave better. But in my deep down in my heart, I like to speed a little more. You know what I mean? So that's what this law. This law is going to make a lot of people be careful and not quick to do those things. Take us back to 1955, Reverend. How old were you when your your cousin was, was murdered? I was 16. I was 16. You're 16. What uh-huh. years later? What what now are your memories of of Emmett and the pain and, and oh, suffering that this yeah, brought you to your can, family? You you can't, and, and I guess what still bothers me is that when I spoke, it was 30 years before I was interviewed, and when I spoke, they said I alleged, and it's still like that spirit is out there. He whistled for sure. It's like he got what he deserved. Hmm. They, don't, they just talk about what did he must have done something. Yeah, but you're talking about people took the law into their own hands, and it's still painful. To hear people say, well, I allege, you know, I'm my witness, I'm there. I'm, and uh, they send them allege. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of justifying people who do lynchings or things of that to African-American people, they always kind of have to demonize the person, kind of like Hitler did the Jews. And that hurts. That still bothers me. Is there a reason it took you 30 years to be interviewed? 
as you mentioned? Uh, yeah, they, I'm not that I want to be interviewed, but they, they interviewed me 30 years after the after that incident. I see. I was there at the store. I was there when they kidnapped me. They came to me first and scared me half to death. And, uh, and because people told my story, and first impressions go a, lot, a long way. I remember listening to a documentary, and this guy telling the story, what happened at the store. He wasn't there at all. I talked to some teachers later. The teacher said, that's the story I tell, and that's the one I'm going to keep telling. That's painful. The way he was demonized. I, I read the Look Magazine article, and they just made, a, made, made him look like he's a plum fool, and he's going to dare them. I, I'm not scared of white people, and I bring with white women, all that kind of talk. Mm -hmm. That spirit is still out there demonizing, justifying what they did to him. And when you know the person, that's got to hurt. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, it's nothing like them, but it's hard to overcome those things. When they get a 30-year jump on you, it's hard to overcome. Yeah. You have to learn how to live. You can't let bitterness and ill will and hate overcome you. You got to, you got to not let that. You can't afford to hate because hate destroys the hater. And I don't hate. I can't. His mother didn't hate. She took a lemon and made a lemonade. And she left a good example for us. If you read about her history from the time that he was taken, you're not going to see where she had an animosity or ill will or hate. Even at a reconciliation meeting she was at, she says, like, they don't even exist. I got things to do. She was a busy lady, and she taught us, and we learned from her. Whatever you got to do in purpose in life, mm -hmm. get busy with your purpose and use the law to the fullest extent to try to change things like they just did with anti-lynching law. Well, last night, uh, Illinois Congressman Bobby Rush, uh, the House sponsor of this bill, he, he said he was reminded of Martin Luther King's famous words, the arc of the moral universe is long, mm -hmm. but it bends yes. toward justice. Is that right. how you're feeling truth right now? Truth crush the earth will rise again. Yeah. Yeah, I live with hope. I live with faith. You got to do that when you face uh, things of this nature. And when you face a country, as the professor said, that spirit and attitude about minorities and certain people, you have to have a good life and a plan in life not to let it destroy you. Professor Tillery, was Emmett Till's death more than just a single act of racial violence committed by some people in Mississippi? Did it represent something far greater Oh, I think we know that. I mean, I, I don't think that there's anyone in my line of work who doesn't see the way that, uh, you know, Reverend Parker and the, the family of Emmett Till conducted themselves so that the, the, the entire consciousness of the African-American community in the nation was focused on what happened uh, to Emmett Till, and, 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 and it really propelled the movement forward. It really created resolve to uh, change this country. We owe uh, an incredible debt of gratitude to the entire family for, for their struggle in incredibly difficult and horrific circumstances. Uh, that, that's it's absolutely one of the pivotal movement, uh, moments in the American Civil Rights Movement. Do you think that this act is um, particularly important, given the current heated arguments among parents and, and school boards over so-called critical race theory? It, it, it's absolutely important, and it, it goes back to what you know I was saying earlier, and what you know R Reverend uh, Parker was just saying, uh, you know about how we need to construct lives to shield ourselves from 
the, the constant onslaught of, of the limitations of being a person of color in a society that's not fully reformed from white supremacy. And so the, the fight over critical race theory or just teaching racial history in schools is, you know, very much a step in turning the clock back toward a greater mm-hmm. uh, sense mm-hmm. of racial authoritarianism. And so, you know, and again, I'm, I'm trying to make these real connections to what we're seeing mm-hmm. in the globe with, with Ukraine. I mean, the first thing that Mr. Putin did before he attacked Ukraine was say, Ukraine has never had a history independent from Russia, rewriting the history. Well, the first thing that authoritarians do when they're trying to turn the clock back is erase history. And we are living in a time in America where 22 state legislatures have moved to erase our racial history. And that makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, And so everything that we can do to uh, ensure that the reality of this history, the weight of it, the totality of what it has meant for our nation can stay in our, in the forefront of our consciousness uh, is a counter to this ongoing attempt to undermine our democracy. And so, yes, it's incredibly important. Uh, Incredibly important. Talked with uh, Reverend Parker just a moment ago about the words of Martin Luther King professor. Uh, Does this legislation leave you with any hope? It does. Uh, I mean, it, it, it leaves me with hope because the greater focus that we can put on it, the more that people who are sort of, you know, walking around in their daily lives thinking about, you know, the price of gas or, you know, buying their next iPhone, right? Yeah. The more that we can put a spotlight on this history and this legacy and the fact that these crimes are ongoing against people of color uh, and other minority groups uh, in our society, the more that we can awaken people to really be guardians for our democracy. And so the fact that it was done, the fact that, you know, Rand Paul finally decided to let it pass and didn't block it like he did the last time, you know, uh, I, I think that is you know something that we should take notice of, but we've got to use the moment to continue to do this important work. Well, Reverend, as we mentioned earlier, President Biden is expected to sign this bill into law. So before I let you both go, what do you want folks to take away from this moment? I hope they can see the change is all being made. Changes can be made. I always say the wheels of justice grind, but they grind very slow. Uh, Like the professor was saying, there is a backsliding spirit in America with the last administration, they set us back. And matter of fact, I was talking to a white friend of mine in Mississippi. He said, I thought that we were farther along than we are. I mean, the people, among more people who seem to embrace that backsliding mm-hmm. kind of was mind-boggling to me. Uh, but we got to keep fighting and, and making progress and thank God for those people who don't give up. That's why we got the anti-lynching bill passed. People... And I hope people could take, grab onto that and go forward. That's Reverend Wheeler Parker, who's cousin of Emmett Till. Also with us, Professor Alvin Tillery, Director of the Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy at Northwestern University. Thank you both. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for spending time with us. For more local conversations about the world around you, 
Tune in every weekday afternoon to this podcast. And follow us on Twitter. We're at WBEZ Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great day, and we'll meet again tomorrow.